Okay, welcome once again. <laughs> in 1992, Alabama wrote this song called I'm in a Hurry and I Don't Know Why. I heard it the other day, popular song, still plays all the time on the radio, and I wanted to share parts of it with you. So the chorus is this. It says, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really have to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. And the song is about just our, our nature as Americans to be in this rush to get things done, a rush to do everything. So if you're in middle school, you can't wait to get to high school. If you're in high school, you can't wait to get to college. If you're in whatever employment, you can't wait to the next promotion or the next big thing or maybe even the first vacation. Uh, my wife's a teacher. She just started the first day of school. She already can't wait <laughs> till, till really just next weekend, which is the first school holiday, right? Labor Day? Can't wait. But we get into this race, and we sometimes don't know why. It's like we just kind of just kind of get stuck in it somehow, and it's just a race. And before you know it, time flies by. Life is a blur, and you're wondering, how did I get here? What happened to my youth? What happened to, to the good old days? So, and another verse, this is the next verse. I won't share the whole song, but this is one of the verses. Is uh, don't know why I have to drive so fast. My car has nothing to prove. It's not new, but it can do 0 to 60 in 5.2. <laughs> I just think of that being here in Dallas. You know, I drive to work on a tollway, and I'm amazed at how fast cars are still zooming by me. The speed limit's 70. I think everyone goes about 90 or 100. And I don't know how many police officers. There's probably none here, but I think most of us as Americans think that there's a 10-mile-an-hour grace period, right? Is that everyone's like, oh, it's okay to drive 10 miles an hour. You say that, but I know if you see a cop, you don't just keep on at 10 miles over, do you? You slow down, right? Because you know, deep down inside, there's no 10 mile an hour grace period. But we all think that. We're in this big hurry. And even when we're not in a hurry, I find myself going from home to the grocery store. No deadlines. I don't got to get anywhere. And I'm still mad if someone cuts me off. I was like, oh, it's on now, buddy, and I'm, you know, trying to pass him up again. So, just, I don't know why. Why does it happen? Why are we in a hurry to get to the grocery store to buy some milk or whatever? So, I share that also in the sense that I realize it's time to slow down. And I think of the irony of it because I titled the message today, Walk, Don't Run. I don't mean to never run. I just mean to focus more on your walk. And to me, it's ironic because I love running. I haven't shared this with you very much, but, but I love running. It's one of the things I, I did for a, a long time, a lot of races, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, 10-milers, 10 marathons, run-up mountains in Colorado, just lots of crazy running, and I loved it. And whenever I came across a Bible verse that talked about running, I was like, yeah, that's it's all about running. I love this verse. So like Hebrews 12, the uh, let us run with endurance, the race that lies before us. I would take that. Like, this is the best verse ever. I love it because it does what I enjoy, right? But I have to face the reality that in the Bible, there are a lot more verses that advocate walking than advocate running. And these are estimated numbers based on how people read the text. But roughly, there are 35 verses that advocate running. Most of those are familiar with. 
like again Hebrews or even in uh, Old Testament, you'll be mounted up on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary, um, flee from the devil or run. And, and and these running verses, but it's not a whole lot of them. And it's mostly when there are, it's mostly a, a Western influence, being the Greek influence, which is why we just celebrated the games a few weeks ago. And and that's a carryover from that Greek influence who started, you know, those Olympic Games where running was a sport. If you look at the Old Testament in general and look at the ancient Middle Eastern or Hebrew culture, there was no place for sport when it came to running. Running wasn't something you did for leisure or for running or for fun. It was a necessity. You're either running for your life or you're running as a messenger or as a soldier. So a lot of the Old Testament verses that have to do with running tend, tend to have that kind of flavor to it. But overall, there's about 62 verses in comparison that advocate walking. So that's our focus today, to, to walk, not run, to slow down. And again, this is my past, so it's hard to, to turn away from that, but I like to think that maybe time and wisdom has made me realize that even though I enjoy that, it's a blur. It goes by fast. And the moment you enjoy, look more like this. Those that you take your time, you develop relationship, you're intimate, not just with the, whoever you may be walking with, but also the trail you're walking on. When you're running, you don't see all the stuff, but when you're walking, you see every crack in the road, you see every tree, the snail crossing the road, all the little things. Even my daughter, when we walk, she points out, bunnies or whatever she sees, a cat, a window, airplane, car, truck, whatever, you know, we know it's there. But I think that's what God kind of calls us, calls us to do, is to slow down. So with that said, there's three passages I want to share today. The first is Matthew 9, uh, it's verses 1 through 8. And the second, Psalm 23, verse 4. And the third is the second book of John, verses 4 through 6. And from that I have three, three reasons to focus on our walk more than our run. Three reasons more so to focus on your spiritual walk versus your, the run or the race that we call life. So the first reason is God's compassion. And we'll see that in Matthew 9, 1 through 8. The second is God's companionship. And we see that in Psalm 23, verse 4. And the third is God's command, which we see in Second John 4 through 6. So to start with the companionship, open up to Matthew 9, 1 through 8. And it says this. So he got into the boat and crossed over and came to his own town. Just then... Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Have courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the scribes said among themselves, He's blaspheming. But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, Why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? 
but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he then told the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he got up, and he went home. When the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and gave glory to God who had given such authority to men. Now I say in this, you see God's compassion. And I say that our ability to walk in the Spirit is a product of God's compassion. But to, to draw that out just a little bit, it helps looking at the, the rest of Matthew and, and a little bit of context. And I think around chapter 4 is where we see the beginning of Christ's ministry. We see over and over again that he's surrounded by crowds. I think chapter, in fact, chapter 5 says, And then he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he began to preach. And there becomes our Sermon on the Mount that continues for a few chapters. And then again in chapter 8, he comes down from a mountain, and a large crowd followed him. And he, and he healed. He healed people of diseases. Uh, some passages will say that he healed all their diseases. But whenever he was surrounded with the, by the crowds, Jesus normally responded, preaching, teaching, or healing, or a combination of those things. But then at, near the end of chapter 9, we see this, which is a very well-known passage, that says, When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out, like sheep without a shepherd. So whenever we see the crowds and Jesus' reaction to the crowds, that is because of his compassion, the compassion that he felt on us being lost. So our ability to walk like that, that man, that crippled man that was lowered through the roof, again, surrounded by crowds, places so crowded they needed to lower him through the roof, Jesus had compassion on him. And the same way he had compassion on him and restored his ability to walk, he has had compassion on us. Because there was a point in time when we were that crippled man. We were unable to walk in the spirit. We were apart from God, did not know him, and he had compassion on us and said, your sins are forgiven. He said, get up, walk, come home, come follow me. So Jesus had compassion. And our ability to walk in and of itself is, is a product of that compassion, of his healing in the spirit, allowing us and enabling us to walk in spirit. The other thing as we look at God's compassion in that section is the fact that it's also a symbol of Christ's authority or evidence of Christ's Authority. He says in, in that passage, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He, he had that crippled man walk, restored his health, restored his ability to walk. So just our Christian walk in and of itself is existence or, or evidence of God's compassion. And finally, our act of walking in spirit brings glory to God. At the end of that passage, it says, when the crowd saw this, they were amazed and they gave glory to God. And even in my own life, sometimes when I explain it here, I think most people get it. Uh, just changes 
the turnabout, so to speak, in my life. When I talk to other folks who may be here that I was in the Army for a long time, I was in infantry, and I was all about doing not necessarily bad things, but about this particular career path. And I gave it all up to, to become a, a pastor, to become a preacher, to someday become a chaplain. Some of them wonder, like, why? That doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Because they don't understand how God gets a hold of people. But when they do get that, they, credit, they can credit it to God. And that's what gives God glory. When we do, when we walk in the Spirit, when we do what God commands us to do, even though it's countercultural or doesn't make sense to the world around us, it, it's, it brings glory to God. So those are one of the reasons overall to focus more on our walk than on our run is because of God's compassion. So moving on to God's companionship. This is a familiar passage. Many of us have read this multiple times, I'd, I'd imagine, or heard it. Psalm 23, verse 4, and it says this. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that's the, the Holman Christian standard. I think some of us are familiar more with a passage that looks like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this idea, bottom line, is that God is with us. When we're going through the hard times, and we're going through difficult times, God is with us. He is our steadfast companion who is always by our side. So the reason to focus more on our walk than our run is God's companionship because he is with us in that walk. Not to say that he's not with us in the run. We just don't see very many illustrations of that in Scripture. There's where the intimacy comes. But not only that, uh, there's also there's no one running through the valley. I say that say that to mean this. If, you, if you've been through that kind of situation, it, you can't run through the valley. If you've been, especially the darkest valley. I've been in the military. We do a lot of land navigation. We do a lot of things at night, and and you, you're not running at night through the valley. There's trees. You're spending all your time. Just every step is tedious. You're trying to get through trees, fallen trees, bushes, stumps, roots. Just just imagine being in your own home, and it's three in the morning. No lights. Power is out. Are you going to run around your house looking for the flashlight? Probably not. You're going to you're going to kind of all right. Where's you know, if there's stairs in your house, you're definitely not going to be running. It's like oh, there's a stair somewhere. And, you know, you're taking every tedious step little by little, paying attention to everything. And in the same way, there's moments in life where we find ourselves in a mess or in just a situation where even if we wanted to run, we couldn't. Even if we wanted to run with everything we had to get out of that situation that we were in, we would not be able to because it's so thick, so nasty, so terrible that you couldn't run if you wanted to. And that's what that dark valley is. Moments when we cannot run, even if you wanted to. But because of that, you have to be able to walk. And the beautiful thing about it is when you're walking through that difficult valley, God is with you. We can walk through those hard times with courage and conviction 
because of God's companionship. So that was our second reason for focusing on our spiritual walk more so than the spiritual race, which is God's companionship, the fact that he is with us. Then God's command. To me, I think this seals the deal. There's no other reason to, to do something. It's because God said so. Uh, so if you look at the second book of John, or second letter of John, uh, verses 4 and 5, they say this. A correction of verses 4 through 6. It says, I was glad to find some of your children walking in the truth and keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I urge you, dear lady, and of course in this passage that dear lady is a metaphor for the church, for that particular church. So I'm saying, I urge you, the church, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command you have heard from the beginning. You must walk in love. So there's God's command to walk in love. Walk in obedience, walk in love, walk in truth. All those are, are stated in those three verses. So we are commanded by God to walk in love. So when I think about that, that third reason, overall that's the command, to love one another. And something, when I think about the times I've been running and the times I've been walking, it's, it's really hard to express love when you're running. I've gone on running, I've gone running with buddies and kind of we can talk side to side, you can probably grow, there's some strength there, there are some definite things, but to caring for somebody is something you do more when you're walking, when you're taking your time to actually get to know them, to actually get to know what they're going through, to experience a little closer where they are. We always hear that phrase, meet people where they're at. You're not necessarily meeting them where they're at when you're running as fast as you can to get somewhere. So God's command is to love one another. And I thought this was interesting. That he, he, in this passage, he defines what love is. He says... This is love. That we walk according to his commands. So love is defined, Christian love is defined as obedience to God's commands. Obedience to his revealed word. And I, I just want to highlight that for a moment because we see a lot of this discussion about love and the world around us. And I think we often associate love with a feeling or an emotion and this ooey-gooey, you know, love. And, and that's a great thing, but that's not what he's talking about here. Whenever we, we, we see that, there's, there's definitely an altruistic and these great things that we can be motivated by love and this, this emotion, but it's, it's more than that. And I say it's more than that because obedience is hard. I think, it was, I think it was Jim Pence a few weeks ago that preached about loving your enemies. And trust me, when you're loving your enemies, it's not that emotional, ooey-gooey feeling. It's obedience. It's doing the hard things. And that's 
our walk. That's the walk. That's what we've been commanded to do, to walk in love. So that was our, our third reason, to focus more on our walk, our spiritual walk, than our run. Is because God commands us to. And to hover on that just a little longer, this is a verse we were all familiar with. Not only in, in walking are we expressing obedience, but we're showing who we are. Christ says, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So as we walk in God's love, that's what makes us stand out from, from everybody else. Our Christian walk. And that's how people know that we are followers of Christ. Not just because we are morally good or altruistic, but because we were obedient to his commands. So overall, again, my, my encouragement to you all is to slow down. I, I skipped the slide at the very beginning and to kind of just mention it a little bit now. We look at our, our American culture and we could, uh, there's a the slide that I had skipped. I apologize. Was a uh, a comparison of holidays of different countries, and it, it highlighted the fact that at least federal federal required holidays of all the countries, America has zero. Where federally nationwide we require people to have a paid vacation. Every other country has 10, sometimes 20, 30 of paid vacation days. And then also some of those on top of that have holidays. But in America, we tend to work more days per year, more hours per week, take less sick days, and get less sleep than any other country. Because we're in a rush. We're in a hurry. So, so my, my encouragement is slow down. Slow down, take the time to focus on, on your walk. And again, those reasons, because our walk, our spiritual walk especially, is a product of God's compassion. It's a sign of God's compassion. Second, our companionship. In that walk, we're drawing closer and closer to God. And hopefully, through that, also being able to grow closer and closer to each other. And finally, like I said, if, if nothing else seals the deal for you, just the very fact that God, that is commanded in our Bible, commanded in God's word, to walk. And like I said at the beginning, there's more verses to talk about walking than there are to talk about running in, in a positive light. So again, instead of letting this be your life where you're running and running and running, I hope it begins to look more like this, where you're walking, slowing down, taking the time to be intimate with God and with the path that lies before us. So slow down. Focus on your walk, your spiritual walk, more than your run. Please join me in a quick word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for the gifts that you give us in life. We thank you for the gift of walking, Lord, the gift of having found us 
and our uselessness, having found us at a time when we were crippled and lame and unable, and having restored us, having forgiven our sins, having commanded us to walk with you. Lord, we thank you for being the light in the darkness, lighting every step as we walk along the path that you've chosen. We pray, Father, that you continue to be with us, continue to help us walk and grow strong, grow closer to you and to one another. We ask these things, Lord, in your Son's most holy name. Amen.